Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Robin Minter Smyers, a partner at Thompson Hine and the proud president of the City Club's Board of Directors. We're here at the Huntington Convention Center of Cleveland for the 2019 State of the County Address. And I am very pleased to introduce today's speaker, Cuyahoga County Executive Armin Budish. Last November, Mr. Budish was elected to a second term as executive of Cuyahoga County, an area that spans nearly 460 square miles, is comprised of 59 communities, and has a population of more than 1.2 million people. During his time in office, Mr. Budish has put forth the following vision. We are a vibrant and prosperous region where everyone thrives and anything is possible. Over the last year, the county has witnessed successes, including the nearly completed renovation of Quicken Loans Arena, now the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, an increase in convention center business, new programs to address homelessness and child welfare, and a decline in opioid overdose deaths. These are all very positive developments for our great county. Less positive have been concerns about the county's IT department and the Cuyahoga County Jail, which are being investigated. We're excited to hear today from Mr. Budish about his successes and challenges and continuing plans to improve our county. As we've noted in past introductions of Mr. Budish, he earned his undergraduate degree from Swarthmore College and his law degree from New York University School of Law. He founded the law firm Budish, Solomon, Steiner, and Peck, and developed a national reputation for his work in consumer law, estate planning, and elder law. Mr. Budish had already established himself as a distinguished public servant before assuming his current duties, having served four terms in the Ohio House of Representatives, including a term as Speaker of the House and two terms as the Minority Leader. Ladies and gentlemen, members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please welcome Cuyahoga County Executive Armand Budish. My dramatic pause. Good afternoon. I am proud and honored to serve as your county executive, but no one accomplishes anything of significance alone. I want to thank a few of my key partners. I appreciate the conscientious work done by county council, led by Dan Brady and Purnell Jones, and I know that there's a table out here somewhere. Would the members of the county council please stand so we can thank you? And I want to thank Mayor Frank Jackson, Cleveland Council, President Kevin Kelly, and all the Cleveland City Council for working so well with us at the county. Thank you very much. And my most important partner is my wife, Amy, who's here somewhere with my son, Daniel. I think I saw them out there. You guys want to stand up for a minute? You are the light of my life. Thank you. Today I want to focus on restoring the dream of making tomorrow better for our children. For most of our county's history, that was a dream that was shared by many, but not all of us. Today we have the opportunity not only to restore that dream, but to ensure that it's shared by everyone. So in a few moments, I'll be announcing two new transformative programs 
that'll position our region as an innovative trailblazer and to help secure the future for the next generation. I'll be outlining the creation of a countywide climate change action plan and the development of a first-of-its-kind downtown microgrid in the heart of our region. But before I do that, I want to address a topic that I know is on everyone's mind. Throughout the last year, the conditions and the tragic deaths at our county jails have dominated the news. These deaths, through suicides and overdoses, have brought home the incredible responsibility that comes with this job. Meeting that responsibility is about life and death. And it's about the quality of life for all of the people in our county. It's about accountability, transparency, and action. Despite the fact that our jails received high marks from the state in its regular inspections, I demanded a higher level of scrutiny. I called the federal marshals and asked them to conduct a thorough and exhaustive review to bring to light what had gone wrong and why. With that information, I've taken and will continue to take decisive steps to protect the health and safety of our inmates. We've made progress and we're working every day to make further improvements. Now, Cuyahoga County is not unique. Jails across the nation have problems. But we are committed to correcting the problems. We must do better. We owe it to those confined in our jail and their families to see that they are protected, cared for, and treated with respect. We must also ensure the safety of those officers and staff who are charged with the responsibility of overseeing and caring for the prisoners. Although we have a ways to go to achieve our goal of being a best practices jail, I'm pleased to say that we've made great strides in improving the jails. While we're still overcrowded, the numbers of prisoners are way down, from a high downtown of 2,400 to where we stand today at about 2,000. We're adding to our bed capacity, and as we continue to hire more nurses and corrections officers, we should be able to continue to reduce our numbers at the downtown jail. With much appreciated help from the judges, we're heading towards being at or below capacity within the next year for the best, for the first best numbers in many years. Our jails in Cuyahoga County and around the country are way overcrowded in part because they've become the default repositories for people with mental health and addiction problems. Our goal is to move folks suffering from those problems out of the jail and into a more appropriate setting to provide them with the care and treatment they need to return to the community as engaged, productive members. To that end, we're working with the judges, prosecutors, public defenders, St. Vincent Hospital, Metro Health, law enforcement, the Adams Board, foundations, the state, clergy, and the social service community on creating a mental health diversion center Special thanks to Bob Triazzi, Rick Chiricasta, and Medical Mutual for their great help in moving this project forward. But we aren't just focused on future projects. We're improving conditions right now in other very important ways. We've just signed a contract with Metro Health Hospital to run the medical at the jail. This should significantly improve health care and safety for the inmates. And so everyone is clear. Every individual sees a nurse when they first arrive at the jail. They go through a medical intake that includes a health risk assessment and medication review within four hours. And the medical team, thank you, and the medical team is completing health assessments well within the 14-day requirement. And we're working to eliminate the practice of red zoning, where prisoners are locked in their cells for hours on end. We're adding corrections officers, classifying prisoners, and restructuring the jail organization. In the last several weeks, we've significantly reduced the use of red zoning, and we're on track to eliminate red zoning this year. This will be an ongoing, demanding priority, but we're committed to it. We'll provide you with periodic updates so you know our successes and our setbacks. But while we're focused on the jail, as it should be, I want to bring to your attention the incredible work being done by the thousands of county workers 
who wake up every day committed to making the lives of the people of Cuyahoga County better. They're, they're about helping the single mother who's working two jobs and wants to make sure her child gets high quality childcare. They're about keeping our elders in their homes, living independently and connected to community. They're about working to find the many children in custody a permanent home. They're about making sure that hundreds of thousands of residents get their benefits in a timely fashion. I want you to know what I see every day, that everything our staff does starts with a caring commitment to every resident in Cuyahoga County. We can all be proud of the great work they do. And today we're releasing an annual report that outlines our many accomplishments and charts the progress that we've made on a number of important challenges and opportunities. Everything we do is to make Cuyahoga County a place where we believe, where we all believe, that tomorrow can be better than today. A place open to those seeking inclusive, welcoming uh, co community supports and innovation and creativity. A community striving to expand opportunity across incomes and zip codes and a community that celebrates and embraces our diversity. Economic and community development are the keys that'll open the door to a better tomorrow for all. A tomorrow free from racial, economic, ethnic, and sexual orientation barriers and prejudices. A tomorrow where we focus on what unites us rather than the obstacles that separate us and hold us back. We've had successes over the past several years, but they're grounded in an economic development model based on traditional job attraction, creation, and retention efforts. Today, we must move beyond traditional economic and community development efforts. <clears throat> As former state development director, and now Cleveland Marshall Law Dean Lee Fisher, who's here, has said, to truly create successful economic and community development requires focusing on building an environment that nurtures and supports creativity, entrepreneurship, and collaboration. Now, now, don't get me wrong, we certainly aren't gonna turn our backs on traditional efforts, and we've had some real successes there. Over the past years, we've been able to attract and retain a number of very large businesses with lots of jobs. And we've also invested in community development projects that are improving our region while also creating work opportunities for residents. Projects like the Lumen, the Q Transformation, Church and State, the Athlon, Snavely, Beacon, Link 59, and the Fatheads Brewery. And don't forget the two new Amazon distribution centers with 3,000 new jobs. We also recognize that supporting business startups and helping small businesses expand is a key part of future economic success. Today, most jobs are created by small businesses. So to that end, we've partnered with established organizations with strong track records of helping small businesses start and grow. These organizations are listed in the annual report. <clears throat> Altogether, investing with these partners in small businesses last year funded 67 projects, 49% of which are owned by minorities and 55% by women and they created or retained more than 500 jobs. These investments are diverse and inclusive, and they open doors to a better future for all of us. <clears throat> Our investments in large and small economic and community development projects are paying off in many ways. For example, property values across the county are up more than 10%. And as of February, our unemployment rate is down to 4.9%, much lower than February a year ago. <clears throat> now here's the problem. In most cases, we're reactive, not proactive. In most cases, we're busy with, with one-off projects that are brought to us, evaluated, and supported. Playhouse Square brings us the Lumen. It's a really good project, and we support it. The Cavs come to us with the Q Transformation Project. It'll keep the Cavs here till 2034, and we support it. These are important opportunities. But what's the overarching plan? What's the goal, the vision? And where's the broad and inclusive community involvement? 
we're at a critical point for the county. Now is the time to adopt a proactive, creative, entrepreneurial, distinctive, inclusive, diverse, multi-generational, collaborative approach to economic and community planning. Last year, John Pinney issued a call to action to the community. And I'm excited by the fact that so many in our community are now talking about how to take our region to the next level, how to take a quantum leap ahead. There are three significant collaborative initiatives going on. First, there's a group led by Mayor Jackson that's looking how to move Cleveland forward. Second, the Cleveland Foundation, the Greater Cleveland Partnership, Jumpstart and the Fund for Our Economic Future, working with McKinsey, are collaborating to develop an economic development vision. And third, there's an appreciative inquiry initiative formed with a large group of civic, private, and philanthropic leaders to articulate what Cleveland could look like in 2030. The county's providing financial support for the Appreciative Inquiry Summit, which will take place in the fall. The summit will pull together a thousand diverse voices to imagine this region's future. I believe these groups are on the right track, working across the private, philanthropic, nonprofit, public, and academic sectors. While these efforts are moving along at slightly different paces and with different individuals involved, I have faith that they will come together around one unified vision for the whole county. Because every hard and transformative thing that we've accomplished as a community has been as a collaborative. And I pledge to you that whatever the ultimate plan turns out to be, the county will be supportive and will, in fact, orient our programs and development efforts to align with our community's vision. While these groups are proceeding, there are bold transformative initiatives already underway. For example, Bernie Marino has been leading the charge to turn Cleveland into blockland, creatively using new blockchain technology to transform the way we do business. The Blockland Solutions Conference in December attracted more than 1,500 leaders from around the country. Jumpstart and Flash Starts announced they'll make available millions of dollars for blockchain startups. There's interest in housing Blockland in a tech hub at Tower City. And local colleges are incorporating blockchain technology into their curricula. Opportunity CLE is a public-private collaboration designed to bring some of the $6 trillion in capital gains cash to the county for investments in our opportunity zones. The goal is to bring investments to the area's most needy neighborhoods in a way to make a socially beneficial impact on jobs, housing, and community improvement. Destination Cleveland and the Sports Commission, led by David Gilbert, are coming up with new ways to build our travel and tourism industry. Their new, new initiative, Velocity, has been formed to support efforts to host the 2019 Baseball All-Star Game, the 2022 NBA All-Star Festivities, the 2024 NCAA Women's Final Four, and hopefully an NFL Draft. Front International, organized by Fred Bidwell, brings together international, national, and local artists, curators, and scholars to create a regional stage to create and share new works of art. It's a fabulous collaboration of our renowned arts and culture institutions, and it attracts visitors from all around the world. Together, these projects satisfy the ingredients for sex, success that I outlined a few moments ago. They are proactive, they encompass entrepreneurship, creativity, and collaboration. As these groups and initiatives are looking forward, so is my administration, with economic and community development projects that align with our community's needs. Today I'm announcing two bold and transformative initiatives, both of which are proactive rather than reactive, and both of which will put us in a strong position for the future. First is the creation of a countywide climate change action plan. Climate change is real, and its impacts are real. It's global, and it's here in Cuyahoga County. Climate change is altering our world in ways we cannot ignore. 
And here in the county, we're already seeing local impacts. Our average annual temperature has increased. Summers will see more dangerously high heat days with temperatures over 95 degrees. And just as bad, we'll see more nights where temperatures never dip below 70 degrees, which deprives our bodies of the chance to cool down. We're averaging more precipitation per year here, and it's coming in more frequent and more violent storms. And when the rain comes down, we're seeing more storms where it comes down in buckets rather than gentle April showers. According to the Midwest Regional Climate Center, we're seeing on average at least two more violent storms a year. The four W's are now upon us. Warmer, wetter, wilder weather. And it's our most vulnerable residents. Children, elderly, low income, people without a vehicle, and people with a disability. These are the people likely to suffer most from climate change. Now, I've heard people say the problem's too big for us to have an impact on a local level. So let's just ignore the issue until China and other major companies change the way they do business. I disagree. Scientists say that we can impact the health of our local community on our own. And in any event, if we all just say the problem's too big for us to have an impact, then we'll have to answer to future generations. I have children and a grandchild. I want to be able to look them in their eyes and say that we protected the world that they'll inherit. And I trust you feel the same way. Focusing on climate change will improve both our economic and social climate. Becoming a leader will be a great job creator for the region. So this is why I'm presenting to council a proposal for a climate change action program. We can and should be a trailblazer in tackling climate change. The Climate Action Program will have multiple parts. Let's, let's start with trees. It's easy to take trees for granted, but trees are such important natural resources for us. For years, Cleveland was known as the forest city. Its tree-lined streets were the envy of cities across the country. Now it's time for us to once again unleash the power of trees to every neighborhood and community in Cuyahoga County. When people fly into Cleveland, we want them to look down and see green everywhere. Trees are the ultimate green machine. They clean the air by intercepting air pollution. They provide cooling, which reduces stress from high heat days. And they reduce the need to run the air conditioning, which adds to emissions. They reduce asthma, obesity, diabetes, and improve mental health. They intercept rainwater from overflowing our sewers, which pours into the lake, and they increase the value of our homes. And of course, they add beauty to our neighborhoods. So I'm asking council to commit $5 million over the next five years to plant thousands of trees. I'm also asking our public works department to review our road and bridge projects to include a tree plan wherever possible. And we'll work with NOACA, the Metro Parks, the Sewer District, the Holden Arboretum, Soil and Water Conservation District, and other key stakeholders to plant thousands more trees around the county. We'll actively partner with the Western Reserve Land Conservancy and Jim Rokakis to meet the goal of the Cleveland Tree Coalition to increase Cuyahoga County's tree canopy from 14% to 30% by 2040. To do this, we'll need more than the core organizations I just mentioned. I challenge others, including community organizations, neighborhood groups, scouts and other youth organizations, PTOs, religious institutions like churches, synagogues, and mosques, to actively participate by purchasing trees to enhance their own property and neighborhood. I can envision competitions between communities and between organizations to see who can plant the most trees. This can be done. Israel has literally forested the country through the sale of trees. Today, those forests stand as a legacy of those who purchased trees 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I can't think of anything more meaningful than envisioning my grandchild playing under a tree that I helped plant to commemorate his or her birth. 
Now that's the type of transformational legacy that our whole community can share in for decades. Second is the establishment of a green bank. The green bank structure is currently being set up with support from the county, the Cleveland Foundation, and the Gunn Foundation. The green bank will leverage private dollars to support clean energy projects, which have been shown to be financially viable. Financing might be through low interest loans, credit enhancements, loan loss reserves, or co-investments. Now, how might the green bank be used? Let's say a homeowner or a small business owner wants to put solar panels on their roof but, but can't afford the upfront costs. The green bank will finance it, the energy produced will pay back the loan, and afterwards the business or homeowner will benefit from lower energy costs for years to come. And solar power is clean and green, which reduces greenhouse gas emissions. By establishing a green bank, we'll become one of the first adopters, joining a, a few leading states and Montgomery County, Maryland. Third is creation of a county greenway, an interconnected system of paths, trails, and bike-friendly streets that link neighborhoods, parks, biking and walking trails, and public transportation. A coalition of the county, the County Planning Commission, Cleveland Metro Parks, and NOACA aims to enhance recreational opportunities and alternative transportation options on foot or by bike. In fact, we recently introduced legislation to regulate and support electric scooters and our successful bike share program. There are already quite a few paths, trails, and bike-friendly streets scattered all over the county, but they're not connected. Imagine being able to walk, bike, or scoot uninterrupted from Maple Heights down Dunham Road to the Bedford Reservation, across Tinker's Creek to the towpath, or in South Euclid along a greenway down Monticello to Belvoir in the Euclid Creek Reservation. I just saw Mayor Wheelow and talked about how great that would be in South Euclid. By filling in gaps in the existing array of paths and trails throughout the county, the Greenway should encourage more healthier lifestyles, boost property values, improve stormwater capture, and reduce carbon emissions. The County Planning Commission is currently completing a Greenway plan. Our Public Works Department is working to build many of these connections, and we're working closely with them and NOACA. Fourth is public transit assistance. We have businesses located all over the county, often far from where employees live. The county's largest source of greenhouse gas emissions is from private passenger vehicles, and potential employees with, with no car may have no practical way to get to work. We must find ways to encourage the use of public transit. So we'll give a preference in our economic and community development investments to projects located within walking distance to public transit. Now, this doesn't mean that all our economic development projects must be located by, by public transit. But if all else is equal, then we'll put projects supporting transit over the top. And we're actively supporting the concept of transit-connected job hubs, areas of the county with a critical mass of businesses that can be reached by public transportation. When a business opens or expands in a transit-connected job hub, our residents who depend on public transportation will have a fighting chance of working there because they can get there. I've directed our economic development staff to develop an incentive program for any qualifying company that'll move or expand in a job hub that's accessible to public transit. Incentives could include, for example, more generous loan terms to support a new or expanding business. Fifth will accelerate the creation of electric vehicle charging stations. Currently, there are only about 50 public charging stations in the county. The scarcity of this infrastructure is a major obstacle to expanding sales and usage of electric vehicles. Our goal is to create a robust charging station infrastructure over the next three years. Sixth, we're partnering with NOACA to better time traffic lights. Better timed lights means less idling by stopped cars, which means fewer emissions and cleaner air. And by the way, it also means faster commutes. During my tenure as NOACA president, we piloted a project to retime the lights on Cedar Road and Pearl Road. 
and it worked, saving 4,800 metric tons of emissions and 538,000 gallons of fuel, and it saved commuters 755,000 hours in their commutes. Next, NOACA will retime the lights down Chester from University Circle to the downtown. Seventh, <laughs> some of you who drive Chester. Seventh, the county in and of itself is a big operation. We have thousands of employees and lots of property, and we use lots of energy. Last year, we won a national award for our Brooklyn Landfill Solar Project, which added 35,000 solar panels onto a closed and capped landfill in the city of Brooklyn. That power basically covers all the electricity needs for our county administration building on a year-to-year -year basis. This year, we're going to add rooftop solar arrays to three county buildings, and through our power contract, we'll make available to any local government in the county the same affordable pricing that we'll be getting. Our analysis is that over the next 25 years, the county will save close to $900,000 in energy costs and almost 1,000 tons of CO2 emissions per year. As I said earlier, to create a successful future, we must proactively undertake bold projects that support placemaking, entrepreneurship, creativity, distinctiveness, and collaboration. This climate action plan fulfills those criteria. And speaking of collaboration, there are lots of people and organizations that have helped create this plan. I want to particularly thank the County Planning Commission, the Cuyahoga County Board of Health, NOACA, the Cleveland and Gun Foundations, the Cleveland Metro Parks, and the Western Reserve Land Conservancy. Please take a look at this video about the Climate Change Action Plan. The Greenway's plan is a strategic vision for all of Cuyahoga County, trying to figure out where we can provide the best links to parks, the lake, downtown Cleveland, you know, local amenities, and try to give people more uh, mobility options on how to get there so they can either use a bike, their feet, jog, run, and not have to use their car. It's a great time to do it because the towpath's going to be complete, and that's a, a, the, kind of the spine for all of Cuyahoga County. And now the idea is let's look beyond the towpath and how can we connect our communities not only to the towpath, but to each other with all these different kind of great trails and other opportunities. Trees are important for the county's climate action plan because they're an important buffer against rising temperatures and more extreme weather events. We also know that trees provide numerous health benefits. They help clean our air. They reduce stress. It's possible to quantify the benefits that trees provide in terms of money that we save from heating and cooling costs, from air quality improvements, water absorption. The value of the tree canopy in just the city of Cleveland is worth about $28 million per year in benefits. So another way to think of that is if trees were cut down or didn't exist, that residents would be paying more for those services anyway. Including trees in our climate action plan is a great idea, and now we can add Cuyahoga County to the list of progressive areas that are thinking proactively about trees. When you're talking climate change, we've got to look at how are people commuting to work and how can we really cut down on the single occupancy vehicles. And the best way to do that is public transit. We really need to look at these uh, corridors that already have good transit service. How can we bring more businesses, more education, more health care um, to those corridors and increase ridership? And as we get more people on transit, that will uh, help with climate change as well. The county is absolutely being innovative. Ohio's green economy has suffered a little bit, and I think it's time for that economy to take off, and I think the Green Bank is gonna be central to that. And the impact the Green Bank should have is not only environmental, but the Green Bank should really aim to be inclusive, and also it should impact jobs and really create opportunity, and really fulfill the promise of being a green city by a blue lake.
And I see uh, Representative Greenspan, and I know Senator Williams is here, and I want to thank them and anybody else here from the state legislature for their efforts in trying to bring more public transit dollars to Cuyahoga County. Thank you very much. <clears throat> the second initiative that I'm announcing today is a microgrid. The goal is to turn the county into the most resilient community in the country. Now, when we think of resilient, we think of coming back after being knocked down or recovering from adversity. And Lord knows, we already are very resilient using that definition. But that's not exactly what I'm referring to here. We need to create and attract jobs to the county. Of course, so does every other city and county in the country. If we're going to take a giant leap forward, creating or attracting thousands of new good-paying jobs, we need to distinguish ourselves from the pack. We need a proactive, innovative, entrepreneurial approach that will guarantee that we rise above all others. Chattanooga is a good model for us. That city distinguished itself by making itself into a tech hub, branded as the gig city. It took a risk made a significant investment in creating a high-speed fiber internet network. Mayor Andrew Burke explained, the fiber changed our conception of ourselves. The day before we turned it on, we had no belief we could become a tech city. The day afterward, we became the city with the fastest, cheapest, most pervasive internet in the world. So Chattanooga invested in high-speed internet service, branded itself as the first gig city, and has used this distinction to attract startups and tech companies looking for this advantage. And it has worked. We know how to distinguish ourselves. We've already done it with healthcare and biotech and with arts and culture. So what can we do now to create a unique, innovative program to attract business to the area? I believe the answer lies in building a first-in-the-nation downtown microgrid to provide customers with the most reliable energy anywhere. What's a microgrid? It's a walled-off power grid, a power island that's separate from the rest of the grid. The implications are huge. Think about it. If the electric grid comes down, businesses could shut down for hours, days, even weeks or longer, and the costs can be catastrophic. Studies have estimated that, on average, power loss costs a business $8,800 per minute. An outage at a data center, according to one study, costs the business $740,000 per incident. The Department of Defense reported experiencing 127 outages of eight hours or longer in 2015 at a cost of $179,000 per day. That's more than $20 million in a year. Certain types of businesses face especially high costs during an outage. These include healthcare, manufacturers, and financial service companies. Power outages can be caused by any one of a number of factors. Most common are storms. Remember Superstorm Sandy? It knocked out power to 8 million customers, and it took two weeks to fully restore service. And as I just pointed out, our storms are becoming more and more violent. You may recall in 2003, a tree branch hit an electric wire, causing a cascading outage that affected the Midwest, Northeast, and parts of Canada. 50 million customers were left without power for up to two days. And you may have seen on the news how vulnerable our grid is to cyber attacks. Businesses recognize this and are looking for protections. They're looking for a guarantee that if the grid goes down and the power shuts off, they can continue to operate. The microgrid will make Cleveland the most reliable, most resilient location in the nation. A microgrid starting in downtown Cleveland would offer businesses 99.999% reliability, which is considered the gold standard. It means that businesses in the microgrid would be guaranteed that they would not suffer downtime any longer than five minutes per year. Thanks to funding from the Cleveland Foundation, 
We've surveyed businesses around the country to gauge interest in the microgrid. Based on those results, it appears that we could use the microgrid to attract businesses that recognize the importance of locating in the most reliable, re resilient city in the country. That's a game changer. Please look at this video for more about the microgrid. Electricity is an interesting thing. It has to be produced and consumed instantaneously. It's one of the few things that you can't store. We figured out in the past hundred years how to move it over very long distances with power lines, but that is actually very inefficient and very risky and not very reliable. It's very susceptible to any kind of imaginable problem. So by having the distance between where you make the power and where you use the power very short, you significantly increase the reliability and resiliency of the system. The microgrid region that we're talking about is really defined by a few geographic features within Cleveland. The lake on the north side, the river on the west and south side, and then East 55th Street on the east side. What a microgrid has the capability to do is create a little island off of the major grid. So if the major grid is experiencing an issue, be that a cybersecurity attack or a superstorm, that the microgrid can operate independently and provide the local consumers a very highly reliable and resilient source of energy. All of our employees are working on computers, and so if those are off, no one can work. But beyond that, due to the nature of the work we do, which is typically R&D, uh, and we're running data models, those all run on servers. They could run for days or weeks. If we lose power in the middle of something like that, at best, we're going to lose time. It could set us back on deadlines or deliverables. Being a small business, we don't have the budget to invest in a complex power system. It's one more tool that the county can add to, to complete that package. That's one of the major driving uh, business cases for the microgrid, is to bring companies in who have a highly sensitive system, who do not tolerate power loss very well. This is the way of the future. We are going to need to decentralize so that we can have local and regional control of these systems and build them as secure as they need to be. We do have a really big coalition of people working on this project, you know, from uh, both the private and public sector, from places like the Cleveland Foundation, from CPP, from the county. And it's really important to kind of work together to make sure that the story synchronizes. Again, a collaborative effort will be needed to make this initiative a reality. The key partner in this effort, our secret sauce, is the City of Cleveland and CPP. They give us a huge advantage in this effort. I want to thank Andy Thomas and Mark Henney from Cleveland State's Energy Policy Center and Ali Ahmed with Green Strategies. I also want to thank Stephen Love, John Uhaws, Kirby Date, Roby Simons, Anand Netarajan, Samia Bray, Grant Goodrich, Ivan Henderson and Darnell Brown for their great work on this project for the last 18 months. They represent a collaboration of the Cleveland Foundation, NCOSI, CSU, Emerald Cities, Case Western, CPP, and the City of Cleveland. And I want to thank Mike Foley and Stephanie Choi for leading the charge for the county. As I said earlier, we need to take bold, creative steps to break out of the status quo and transform ourselves and our region. Key to success is that we must work together. All of us, government, business, nonprofits, philanthropy, education institutions, and a diverse, inclusive group of individuals. Our county's at a turning point. Time is of the essence. Together, we can create a county that we're proud of, a county that's inspired by our better angels, a county where our children will see their futures take flight. Together, we can build a future for our children that's better than today. Thank you very much. Today at the City Club, we are at the Huntington Convention Center of Cleveland, listening to the 2019 State of the County Address, 
with Cuyahoga County Executive Armin Budish. We're about to begin the audience Q&A. If you have a question, please form a line behind the two microphone stands located uh, toward the front of the room. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, or those of you joining us via our live stream. If you'd like to tweet a question, please tweet it at the City Club, and our staff will try to work it into the program. We want to remind you that your questions should be brief and to the point. May we have the first question, please? Hi. Hi, so we will be taking a question from Twitter first. Cleveland City Council recently refused to accept over 10,000 signatures to put lead safety legislation on the upcoming ballot. Can Mr. Budish speak to what the county plans to do to combat the region's lead poisoning crisis? Thank you for the question. You know, we, we've been, uh, when I first started in this job, one of our first initiatives was to double the number of children in high-quality pre-kindergarten programs. We believe it's critically important to give our kids a good start in life. Um, unfortunately, studies also show that once a child has been poisoned by lead, uh, even you can, you can have the best pre-K program in the world and it, it's not gonna make up for the problems created by the lead poisoning. We are, as a county, uh, recognize the issue. Lead is a terrible problem for our communities. Um, the uh, county has been um, uh, providing funds through grants that we receive uh, to remediate lead, uh, and we are active participants in the city's program uh, coalition that they put together uh, to deal with uh, lead, uh, the lead problem. Uh, I saw President Kelly here today. Uh, we're working with him and the mayor, uh, and uh, uh, it's high priority for us. We're going to work on it until hopefully we can get it fixed. Yes, sir. In uh, light of the fact that st statistics show that refugees in this area have more than given back to our economy, the funds invested in them, would you consider joining the chorus of local public officials who are saying that you would consider taking in a certain number of asylum seekers currently gathered at the U.S.-Mexican border after consulting with Global Cleveland and other community leaders in this area as to what that number should be? We have, um, uh, we're very proud of the fact that Cuyahoga County is a welcoming uh, community. Um, uh, we've been built, Cleveland and Cuyahoga County uh, throughout has been built on immigrants. Um, uh, we were just at, you and I and others, at a Global Cleveland meeting uh, just last week. And uh, Global Cleveland's doing a great job of uh, making sure that we remain a strong, welcoming community. Uh, we are, very happy to uh, take in immigrants here. Uh, we think that's actually how you help build this city, not, it doesn't hurt, it helps. So the answer to your question is we would be very happy to participate in uh, Global Cleveland's efforts to bring more immigrants to the Cuyahoga County and Cleveland areas. Hi. Uh, I know the county has taken a big interest in early childhood investments and they really sit at that juncture between human services, education, and economic development. I wondered if you could talk about what you see as our next investments as a community for our youngest learners. As I mentioned, you know, we, we have um, uh, recognized the importance of early childhood education. We, we believe that that's transformative. Uh, and so when I came into office, um, uh, we formed a, a partnership. Um, uh, Paul Clark from PNC Bank helped lead efforts in the general community to help us raise money. Uh, the county uh, and PNC together raised a fund of $23 million. The county already was putting in $9 million a year into high quality pre-kindergarten. Uh, we uh, set out to double that with this fund. We've actually accomplished that for the last several years. Uh, the fund is not a permanent fund. It's, it's a limited $23 million fund. We have to our next step is to figure out how to make it sustainable. Um, we've had, we're part of a coalition working with the state. Uh, uh, Governor DeWine uh, indicated that not in this budget, but in the next budget, he looks to make a significant impact on early childhood education, and we're looking forward to working with uh, the governor and the state on that. Oh, 
Uh, thank you for, for your speech today. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, I was sitting at the table thinking about proactive and reactive, and uh, you mentioned those, both those words. Uh, back in 2012, on the day of the Chardon school shootings, I became proactive, being reactive to that tragedy. Uh, in 2014, when I saw the documentary Alive Inside at the Cleveland Film Festival, I became proactive in trying to improve the quality of life for people with dementia and Alzheimer's uh, being reactive to what I saw in that film. I've talked to Mayor Jackson before. I've introduced myself to Ron Richards. Scott Tuman knows me very well from his time at Parma City Council. I've spoken to you. I've had several conversations with Matt Carroll. Uh, I put the ball in your court and uh, I have friends and resources, none of which are in Cleveland, but uh, we have ideas and we have resources to offer to make uh, Cuyahoga County in the state of Ohio the metro aware and friendly. We have resources to create uh, an educational uh, environment where our kids are safe, accepted, and respected. My question is, are you guys ready to pick up the ball? Well, first of all, I will tell you that um, the gun violence in this country is terrible. And we need to be doing everything we can to, to address it, to stop it. Um, I know the city of Cleveland's been active. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's been ruled by the courts that a city alone can't, uh, can't uh, take the kinds of steps that would need to be taken to uh, address uh, the, uh, the gun problem. When I was in the state legislature, uh, we worked very hard to change state laws on those issues. Um, unfortunately, uh, we were not successful and uh, the state legislature, the only thing that they pass more of than uh, laws uh, making it easier to own handguns is laws uh, making it harder to have an abortion. Uh, we've had Law, uh, we've had uh, piece of law after piece of legislation, one after another, um, and unfortunately it's gotten easier. Now you can take guns into churches and daycare centers and all kinds of things. Um, one thing we have done in Cuyahoga County is we've created a gun lab uh, which, where uh, now you can take shell casings and uh, uh, you can use those. Uh, there's a computer system, they do ballistics tests. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works, but it works and they can identify guns that were used in, in shootings in cases for years back and get those crime guns off the street. That's a critical piece that we are able to do and we're taking those steps to do that. But the problem is that guns don't shoot people. Students with guns shoot people. Hello. Um, I want to uh, add more to the early childhood question because I'm very, uh, I sit on the st State Board of Education and the Teaching Leading Learning Committee, we discuss preschool a lot. And so my question is, so often our vulnerable families, number one, do, are not made aware of where those preschools are or how they can get there. And there's a problem with getting their transportation. So specifically, what is the county doing to make sure that all of our vulnerable families know how to access a quality preschool? And number two, uh, what is the county doing to make sure that they have transportation to get there? Because that's also a big problem. Well, and I thank you for your advocacy uh, on behalf of uh, children for many, many years. Um, uh, education is key. I mean, you know, I talk about a microgrid, for example. You know, we're not gonna be able to run a microgrid if we don't have a pipeline of educated people in Cuyahoga County to do the, take the jobs that are gonna be needed. Um, and you gotta start at the beginning. You gotta start with pre-K, in my view. Um, so that's why we doubled the number of children in high quality pre-K. By doing that, we've created um, uh, access to locations uh, all over the county, uh, many more than were in existence before we doubled the number. So uh, that's one way we've been able to do that. Um, uh, the, um, uh, and, and by the way, the county's playing an integral role. I, I, we have Eric Gordon and here the, with superintendent of the Cleveland schools. We have the Say Yes program, which many of you in this room participated in putting together, raising the funds. It's a critical, 
critical piece to our success in this county. Again, we can't move forward without high quality education. Say yes, I believe, will make a huge difference for the county, uh, for people in, in CMSD and by, by virtue of that all over the county. And, and Cuyahoga County's providing the wraparound services that are critical to that, um, to the success of that program. So we're doing that, we're, we're increasing the numbers, we're advocating for, uh, for more uh, funds for preschool, for high quality preschool. Uh, we've been uh, part of a, a coalition that does the advocacy in the state and we're continuing to do that. Mr. Don, Executive, as you know, this county has 57 political subdivisions the waste, the duplication, the redundancies, and I think most would agree, inexcusable. What have you and your administration done and are you doing to promote more collaboration and coordination uh, in, in, in the county, throughout the county to address that problem? The, um, there's, there's huge waste and, and inefficiencies by having all these different communities all doing the same thing, all overlapping services. Uh, so the county's been playing a major role in uh, offering voluntarily to the various communities uh, uh, services uh, to help um, regionalize them. So for example, our, our 911 call dispatch uh, is now, uh, we've, we've reduced the number through our programming and, and incentives. Uh, more than half are now gone. Uh, cities have been incentivized to come together and do the, uh, the dispatching together. It's a, it's a, it's a major savings. Uh, we do sewer and we do road work and we do bridge work um, uh, on a regional basis. Uh, again, it's something cities don't have to participate in, but most of them do because it's a tremendous savings. Uh, we partnered with the city of Cleveland uh, to take over the jail. While we've had some problems with that, uh, the fact is that we're saving the city of Cleveland a lot of money and eventually, once we get this uh, straightened out uh, ourselves, we'll be able to offer those services around the, the county to various cities. Uh, no city wants to operate their own jail. So while we're not able to create a city of Cuyahoga County, uh, we are able to make it much more efficient for our various communities to, to operate. Um, I just recently moved here, and I like everything you said about your green initiative. The one thing I'm seeing, though, and we need to teach our children young how to do this, is recycling in our homes. Um, could you expand on that? And, uh, I admit I don't know a whole lot about your re recycling program, if you have one here, in our homes. So if you could expand on that, that would be great. Sure. Um, I learn about recycling every week because my wife yells at me that I'm putting the things in the wrong containers. Um, but recycling is important, it's valuable, it, it plays in perfectly with our climate change action plan uh, and uh, we certainly encourage it and um, I can tell you my wife is a big advocate for it. Today at the City Club, we are at the Huntington Convention Center of Cleveland listening to the 2019 State of the County Address with Cuyahoga County Executive Armin Budish. We'd like to thank several sponsors that made today's forum possible. Our presenting sponsors, Huntington Bank and KeyBank, and our supporting sponsor, the Sisters of Charity Health System. Additional support for today's address is provided by Advance Ohio. We have representatives from all of our sponsoring organizations with us today. We are grateful to all of you for your support. We'd also like to thank the United Way of Greater Cleveland for their generous support for our community tables. This year, we worked with Cuyahoga County to offer 100 sponsored seats to those who receive and provide direct county services. We are grateful to United Way for their support of this initiative. We also welcome guests at tables hosted by many local corporations and community organizations. Please check your printed program for a list of table sponsors. And we thank all of you for being here today. That brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Mr. Budish. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This forum is now adjourned.
For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.